Welcome to Compassionate Cultures, the podcast. You're about to go on a journey of empathy, understanding and transformation. Get ready to dive into the heart of humanity's most pressing questions with me, Rebecca Hemmings, the CEO of Strawberry Words Training Consultancy and guests. It's time to turn up the volume on kindness and to amplify the voices of minorities that often go unheard. This podcast asks questions like, how can we create workplaces where ethnic minorities thrive without the chains of career stagnation? What if universities were safe havens for all, free from the storm of microaggressions? And how can we bridge the gaps between cultures that have been divided by the walls of bias and ignorance? This is not just a podcast. This is a revolution of empathy. Welcome to Compassionate Cultures, the podcast. Get ready to explore, learn and change the world one compassionate conversation at a time. Welcome back, listeners, to the Compassionate Cultures podcast. I'm Rebecca Hemmings, the CEO of Strawberry Words Training Consultancy. Uh, we specialize in talking about anti-racism uh, and, and spreading compassion throughout um, various spaces, and particularly in the workplace. And so I'm really pleased today to be joined by Yvette Brown, who is a, a, a therapist, a, a counsellor. She works in educational settings in a variety of settings and I'll, Yvette, I'll get you to say a bit more about that um, but I was really keen to talk to Yvette you know we've known each other for a while since university days actually and you know you know we had a conversation a few years ago you know I spoke about the work that I do and and in Yvette's book quite a bit about the work that she does and there was a lot of synergy I found particularly because we were talking a lot a lot about how racism is affecting people and so I I've invited Yvonne, Yvonne Yvette along to talk about um, her experiences of you know when coming into contact with people who are particularly affected by racism and, and also what organizations are doing so hello Yvette hello good to see Welcome. you oh. Good to see you. Good to hear you for those people who can't see <laughs> us. Um, where yes. So just for those, I think you know, I, I don't feel I've done your introduction justice. So if you wouldn't mind just explaining a bit more about your role and where it is you work and who you work with. Okay. Right. So I've been a therapist now for 17 years. Um, and I've worked in various organizations really. So I've worked in se- secondary schools. I've worked um, in organisations where we have done counselling for young people and also parents of young people. Mm. Um, I've worked for the NHS, um, doing teaching course, stress management course for the NHS, but also counselling staff of the NHS and Mm. the council. Mm. Um, And I've also done private practice as well. So a real mixture of different things, really. Okay. Okay. And so can you, can you share a a little bit more about your personal journey and your experience as a black therapist? So for those who are listening, Yvette is black and and how this has influenced your work in promoting compassion within organizations. Right. So when I first started studying to be a counselor um, 17 years ago, I'll be honest, um, there wasn't a lot of black people on the course Mm. Uh, me and I think another woman and I think there was an, um, an Asian woman that was on the course as well mm. but, um, and we actually did half a day 
of equality, a session on equality. Mm. And it, it wasn't done very well, to be honest. Yeah. And even when we did it, people were moaning and saying, oh, I don't really understand why we need this, you know, mm. to do with counselling and, you know, why do we have to be bringing all these stuff up? I'm and, smiling just because that still happens in, in oh, many sectors. Yeah. yeah, they just don't get it. And the people yeah. are saying it wouldn't get it because they're not black. Mm. So, and then the, and the people that was running it were actually white. Mm. So it was very difficult because they were either using us as examples. Mm. Um, yeah, and then we would have discussions on it. And it was just awkward. By the end mm. of the session, we didn't feel empowered or anything. We just felt awkward, mm. and embarrassing and whatever. And, and we didn't, there wasn't a lot you got from it because basically it wasn't put together properly. It was, it was almost like a tick box in some way. Mm. Really. Mm. So I found that that's annoying. Um, and also sometimes when I went to conferences back in the day, it's very different now, by the way, though. Back in mm. the day, when I went to conferences, there weren't that many black therapists around and mm. yeah, and that was hard and and therefore some of the training that when I went it was very much geared it was almost like gears like oh, we're, we're all in this together it's like you know the struggles are just the same it doesn't mm. matter what color you are but mm. actually, it, it did matter mm. but it was very it does hard. matter yeah and it mm. was very hard to explain that to people who are not of color Mm. you know but mm. I do know that now uh, over the past couple of years there is an organization where um I know they have conferences in London for counselors who are of like you know the black therapists or of minority they do have counseling like mm. this is just for that because they've realized that actually our needs are important but also in the counseling room as well Oh gosh, that's, you know, I just hear you say that line, you know, they've realized our needs are important, mm -hmm. you know, and so what the opposite of that is, is, you know, at one point, you, you know, ethnic minorities needs were not deemed as important. Yes. yes. So, wow. So I obviously, you know, we had 2020, we had Black Lives Matter, mm -hmm. the Black Lives Matter movement, what happened, you know, the murder of George Floyd, you know, is it directly because of conversations, do you think, uh, that have been, that have taken place because of those things, why that recognition has happened? I think it's got a lot better because of it. I do mm -hmm. have to say that before they were starting to realise a couple of years back that actually more needs to be done. They didn't quite know how to do it necessarily, but they did recognise that actually something's missing here. Mm. And small groups started to form where they would have, as I said, conferences, or I know at one point they had something in Birmingham where it was a small group of therapists that would meet, but it was very small. But obviously it's a mm. lot bigger now mm. with everything that has ha happened with Black Lives Matter. Mm. And, and obviously there's a lot more articles, like in the BACP, which is the British Association for Counseling and Psychotherapy, it was mm. all that happened with Black Lives Matter. There was articles about... Um, you know the needs of black people about black people in therapy about you know us working with black people in therapy if you are white you mm. know how to actually you know how do we deal with these issues in the room because mm. it is you in the room in the sense of like you know it is important for you to have an understanding of black issues but also that there is a difference because if you can't recognize that in the room mm. then there's a big elephant in the room and there's a block mm. as well <laughs> And has the focus been primarily on on black people or people of all 
different ethnic minorities? I think it's it's been focused. It was focused, if I'm honest, a lot more on black people mm, because mm. of Black Lives Matter. So I don't know about you, but it came to the point where everything was like Black Lives Matter came out, and then it was like every advertisement was every was black. Oh yeah, everywhere yeah. it was like yeah, and it yeah. became it became too much really. In yeah. a sense of like we wanted it, but it was too much. Yeah, and, and I think it's important to say that, you know, because some people will listen to this podcast and will think, well, why is the focus on black people? And as much as possible, I try and speak uh, about ethnic minorities because sometimes we, uh, you know, we share, yeah. you know, disparities mm-hmm. and, and issues. But we have to also be aware of some of the statistics. I get the words out, statistics. Yes. And certainly when it comes to mental health, I mean, the last time I read, uh, it was something like almost five times more black people. Do you know the statistic around um, the people who are sectioned? Oh, black times are five times more likely to be sectioned yes. than their yes. white counterparts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that's a huge yes. number. Mm-hmm. You know, and and that is that we're the highest number of people. You know, when it we are, we have the highest number of people who are sectioned and affected by mental health. And so, when we look at some of the the data, you know, the issues that are affecting um, certainly black people in, in mental health, they do stand for. And, and this is not, and I, I don't like to say, I don't like to say this and make it seem as though our issues are more important than everybody else's. That's not what's been said here. It's just looking at some of the, that data and yes. saying that there was a specific problem here. Yeah. 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 And, and, go ahead. I was going to say, and there, there is a big problem, do you know? And, and I do believe, you know, you know, as you said, it's it's not just like, just black blacks, it's Asians, it's, it's Chinese, it's, it's everybody really, but there is a big problem, you know, when it comes to like black people in a sense of like something definitely was being missed you know we were missed and and misunderstood and not heard yeah that's a common complaint you know particularly you know I think about women having babies and let's not go with you know again more statistics and the amount of black women that died during childbirth um but you know a common complaint is that you know people were just not listening to me and we certainly know with anti-racism work that people feel as though they're just not listened to or, you know, their experiences are denied, they're gaslit and, and so on. And so, you know, you know, how have you found that since 2020, more um, black people have approached or, or organizations have kind of pushed more black people your way? Has there been a, an increased need for therapy? I, if I'm honest, yes and no, really. Mm. Um, I think, I don't think it really had an impact in my work where more black people were coming to therapy because of Black Lives Matter. But mm. I think the reason in, I can only speak for my work that I do working at the college that I work at at the moment. Mm. I think what helped was the fact that they saw black member of staff who was a therapist. Mm. And they wanted to come. Ah, that's interesting. Yeah. So there could have been a need before, yes. but because perhaps they felt they wouldn't. In fact, you speak to that. Like, what? What yeah. was that? What do you think that was? Well, basically, when Black Lives Matter happened, obviously we were all at home and everything. And I remember thinking, I need to do something for my students here because I need to reach out to them because I know it was it was having an impact on me. 
Mm. And when I was speaking to a lot of my friends, it was bringing up lots of different emotions. So what I did is I put... Um, and so, sorry, can I just ask you about that? Again, for people yeah. who are listening, who are not black, who are not ethnic minorities, um, you know, who are white, what, what were some of the feelings you were experiencing? Just to kind of paint that picture. Yeah. I felt overwhelmed. Mm. I'll be honest, at first, I, when I heard the news, I knew, oh my goodness, this is going to be huge in a sense, mm. it's going to be everywhere. Mm. I didn't know whether I was ready for it because I mm. knew it's like everywhere I go, everyone's going to be talking about it. There's people are going to be feeling lots of different emotions like anger or sadness or whatever. And for me, um, after reading everything and watching the news constantly, I felt overwhelmed. And then all of a sudden I felt really emotional. Yeah. All these emotions were just coming up. I remember one point I was getting up in the morning and just bursting into tears. Yeah, yeah, I can relate. It's like, because it's like all of a sudden everybody knew the struggles. Yeah, yeah. Was, there was I, no hiding oh, from it anymore. No hiding. That's it. You know, and, and as I'm as I'm listening to you, and I'm now quitting again, but I, I I'm hearing what you're saying I'm remembering what I felt what many people like us felt and I'm also thinking about the people who are affected by what's happening in Palestine Mm -hmm. and Israel at the moment and just knowing and 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 it's not the same it's not the same but just having an understanding Mm -hmm. of that collective pain and this idea that everybody's going to be talking about this now and I'm going to be you know exposed to many triggers this is overwhelming how am I going to handle this so yes constantly in the spotlight we were you know and it's like and that I just it was a lot for me to take in and what I ended up doing was talking to a lot of my black friends and saying look this is how I'm feeling and I remember going on a zoom call with some other people that I didn't know we just had this group going and they were all talking about the same things and how they felt and then I thought to myself wow if I'm feeling like this I wonder how my students are feeling who are at home isolating I need to reach out to them and the other thing I thought was they don't even know I'm black because unless you're coming to counselling, you wouldn't right. know. Okay. You know, yes. in, in where I work, it's, I know I was, you know, I say this to my colleagues, I'm the only black member of staff there, mm. as well as the security guard. Now it's not because, right. it's, you know, so unless you've come to my building, you wouldn't even know I'm there. Mm. So I, so what I did is I put a letter to get, together and I said, you know, about Black Lives Matter and about, you know, I'm a black therapist. If you would like some support, mm. please come and see me. You can you can contact me through email or mm. maybe we can have a conversation on Zoom or something like that. Because I mm. wanted them to know I understand. And I, I made sure I had a picture of me and everything. Because mm. it didn't just be an email. That, that, that could have been anybody. I yes. wanted them to know this is a black woman that knows. Yes, yes, yeah. And start to contact me. Yeah. And, and there will be people out there who will be saying, well, what difference does it make? You know, as long as you're empathetic, as long as you're mm-hmm. compassionate, it shouldn't matter, matter what difference your ethnicity is. But can you explain the difference? Well, the difference was is I, they didn't have to explain. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, yeah. I knew. Yeah. They didn't yeah. Have, I did. You know, yes, it's true that other therapists who, you know, are white or whatever, they have got the empathy. They're very good. But yes. they're not in, they don't know what it's like to be in my shoes as a black woman, as a black yeah. person, you yeah. know, but, and, and I remember, um, you know, now everything's back to normal. I've had quite a few black students who have come to me and as soon as they walk in, they're like, oh, miss, 
it's really nice to speak to a black therapist because they've said to me they don't have to explain yeah I get what they you know what they're talking about about their background or about some of their struggles and although yes there's still work to be done and the the tools I use there's Mm. something about I could see them feel at ease all of a sudden it was like their mom their sister their auntie yes yeah 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 there was that shared experience that they didn't have to well yeah that they which is a gift if you like so you know and and as you say there are many um white people who who are very empathetic very good at what they do but what they don't have is that that shared experience which is what you know um I guess makes a process slightly or a lot easier and also going back to you know the training that is why it's important for them to have the proper training because Mm. it's like um they wouldn't know that that's important yeah they're just thinking well I'm working with you know, whatever the issue is, but actually, no, you're working with that person's background, culture, everything. Yeah. And this is why, you know, during training, we talk about the importance of educating yourself because not every black person is going to have a black therapist, not every, you know, or whatever line of work you're in and you're, Mm -hmm. you know, there are specific issues that, you know, culture might be a part of that issue. Mm -hmm. You're not always going to be with people who look like you. So the more uh, white people can learn more about different cultures, not just white people, all of us can learn more about different cultures, gain an understanding, and this is specific to white people, uh, on gain an understanding of what really constitutes racism and the types of issues people face on a daily basis then you can become more equipped to handle such conversations and 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 have people come to you and not feel have people come to you and say ah julie gets it or you know whatever she Mm. understands because i've met many white people like that who when i've had conversations with them i'm like ah they get it i don't Mm -hmm. have to over explain but that takes work and it takes time it does, yeah. And the therapist has got to be open to that. You know, they've yeah. got to be open to wanting to learn. Yeah. Be humble enough to want to learn that. You know, but yeah. even when I work with other, you know, um, different like people, other students who come and see me, all of different backgrounds, different cultures and everything, I I like them to tell me a bit more about them. I want to know. Yeah. I've even learned a little bit of their the language just to say yeah. hello or whatever. Yeah. And it just met, puts them at ease. It makes them feel like, you know what? they see me and they see that I'm important. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and it starts with down to learning so to say somebody's name properly, absolutely. for instance. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And it's knowing that that is important, like you said. Yeah. I hear you. Yeah. You know, can you provide specific examples of successful interventions or programs that uh, you've either seen or maybe implemented to um, promote good mental well-being amongst um black and other ethnic minority people within organizations like have there ever been like schemes uh, to help generally promote the wellness the mental well-being of of ethnic minorities in this climate like or has it always been down to the therapist to do that work in all honesty a lot of the times it is down to the, the therapist Oh, that's a shame. I mean, I'm not saying there's not things out there. Like, for instance, I know for um, instance, the BACP, as I've said, you know, they have started to do a lot more articles around issues 
to do with, you know, therapists, therapy, black people in therapy and all sorts. So they are doing things, but there's mm. still a lot more that needs to be done. And I've, I've seen people start things and then not finish them. It was a good idea, but then it's, it's just never, it sort of fizzled out. And that's a, that's a problem, isn't it? Because, you know, one of the things you want to do when trying to build relationships, because essentially that's what this, this work is, anti-racism work yeah. um, is about, is about building relationships with a community that historically hasn't trusted the powers that be because yeah. they've, um, you know, been recipients or, or been on the receiving end of racism, because they've been on the receiving end of a tick box exercise or because they've been denied their experiences. Yeah. Many black and other ethnic minority people do not trust the white majority, unfortunately. You know, it's not something that makes me happy to say, but it, it is true. And so in order to work on building that trust and building that relationship, you've got to come through on your, your, your promises on your actions yeah. and so I see this time and time again unfortunately but many great initiatives with good intentions yes, they, yeah. they they start but they don't finish and then what do, what does that do what does that do for that person who was hopeful who thought finally yes yeah. this is the organization mm -hmm. I want to be part of or yeah, yeah but they get it they're on our side mm -hmm. what does that do yeah yeah it's it's it's, it's hard it's hard and I know for me, I've just had to hold on to the little that they have done. Yeah. Because otherwise I could get very discouraged, you know, and I've had to decide, you know what, what am I going to do? And I know yeah. people are like, I, why should we do this? But I do it because I'm passionate about my students. Yeah. And I think I could wait and I could say, well, it's not my job. You know, this is the whole problem. But I'm like, no, I will do what I can do. Yeah. Yeah. Make something happen. And that's what I do. If I see an opportunity where I can like build, you know, my black students up, you know, either through their education or basically their mental health, I will find a way. And yeah. So, because it is my responsibility. Yeah. yeah. As well as it's other people's. And I, I hear I hear that. And I think that's really important for people to listen to because we all have to play our part in mm -hmm. in if we want if there's to be hope. I think it is important that we play mm -hmm. our part, knowing when the right times are and when yes. we need to rest and all of that. But yeah, we all kind of need to, if we didn't all start talking, if people didn't start putting things out on online about their mm -hmm. organizations, for instance, yeah. if, for instance, in 2020, things wouldn't have changed. And this is why the change is happening because people are speaking more about it. Uh, but I want to go back to touch on something you, you just said, because you spoke about sometimes you felt, I can't remember the exact word you used, but like despondent or down. And, and I, wanna, I want you to speak a little bit on that, if you would, because that's something we come across a lot are people who work for organizations you know black ethnic minority other ethnic minority people who feel as though they're kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place you know they they're maybe around managers and other staff members who or even students who don't get their position and, and the microaggressions and the overt racism that they face on a regular basis but you know they have to stay within that organization and they find it difficult mm -hmm. to either bring up issues or even white allies yeah. sometimes white allies find they they can see the problems yes. and they want to talk about the problems but they can see that this is difficult 
what advice or what question should I, because I was speaking to another therapist actually, and I remembered actually therapists don't normally give advice. You ask questions, right? So what questions would you ask of these people when they find themselves in these moments of difficulty questioning what can I do or yeah, what can I do? Yeah. I think the questions I would ask is, um, well, I know it sounds like corny, but exactly the same one you said what can I do and what I mean by that is slightly different Mm. I meet I meet people who tell me that you know they're at work and like you know they're having all these issues and they can become a victim in the sense of where they think they've lost their power totally Mm. Mm. and I always ask them what can you do Mm. sometimes they forget there are things they can do and what I mean by that is is it that they do need to say something Mm. is it that they do need to contact HR Mm. resources is it that they do need to go and have some counseling Mm. is it that they do need to think about how what is this triggering in me Uh you know you know, because it very often they can end up just staying stuck. And mm. I, I can't do anything. I've got no power to do anything. And then they withdraw. Yes. There are things they can do. Yeah. So it's about exploring your options, you know, yeah. recognizing that whilst the choices may not be easy, mm-hmm. there are choices. There are choices. Because if you believe there's no yeah. choices, you're not, you're going to, you're going to feel stuck. You're going to get depressed. You're going to get frustrated. But there are choices, even if it's just, is it that I need to change my mindset? Yeah. And how I'm going to, when I go to work, how I'm going to think when I'm at work. Oh, absolutely. That's just reminded me. I, I'm, I'm a big fan of um, Anthony Robbins. And, I, you know, mm-hmm. one of the things he's always said is if you don't like something, either change your perception or mm-hmm. change your procedure. So mm-hmm. change how you're thinking about something mm-hmm. or change what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And, and that's always helped me. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes and within that, it comes back to the whole thing about you always have a choice in some way. Generally, you know, as long as you're of a healthy mind, you generally always have yeah. a, a choice. And sometimes those choices may be difficult choices. Yes. Yeah. And it's recognizing that, mm-hmm. you know, no one's saying this stuff is going to be easy, but there are options. Yeah. Because yeah. as, as you, you know, I was thinking about um, us talking today, I, was, I actually started to think about, you know, my mom and dad and when they came to England and the struggles. I don't know if you've been watching Three Little Birds. I haven't yet. Oh, yeah. it's very good. It's very good. Yeah. Well, it's obviously, you know, there's lots of issues that they face and everything to yeah. do with racism and everything. Uh-huh. But I, I was I was thinking, goodness, you know, I, my parents, they, they had their struggles when they came yeah. to England, the racism, they came with all these dreams. And obviously, you know, they get to England to find out that actually they're not welcome. But how yeah. did they survive? If yeah. they had a mindset of like, well, that's it then, forget it, I'm not doing it, I'm stuck. They wouldn't have what they had. Yeah. To find a way. Yes. To cope. Mentally. Yes. And yes. they either went to church they spoke with their friends, you know, they prayed, they did what yeah. But I think that bit that you bring up is quite important, this idea of community. Mm-hmm. And again, that's something we speak about, building relationships with people mm-hmm. who understand, yes. you know, and I think sometimes people are isolated yes. or feel isolated and there is power in community. 
there definitely is and it's important you know I know when I was like as I was, when I was isolating you know when all the Black Lives Matter came out and as I said all these emotions were coming up the first thing I thought was like I need to call my mate I mm. need to call my friends and yeah. find out how they're doing and when I spoke to them and they shared and I could share it just felt really nice to know that I wasn't alone Yes, because that's what I was going to ask you is what is it about talking with others that is so therapeutic? What And that's, that's part of it, right? Not feeling alone. What mm. else? I think sometimes finding clarity, mm. you know, because sometimes, you know, we do, we question, is it me? You know, that validation. Yeah. 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 And then it's just nice to be able to discuss, you know, well, this is what happened and then have someone else, you know, explain it or, or, you know, repeat back to you what you've just said. So you can think, oh, actually, that makes sense. Or even give you advice. Now, I do think, though, it's important to find the right people. Yes. Yeah. I'm so glad you said that. Yeah. Because you may talk to somebody who's already got an attitude. They're vexed anyway. And they mm. might say, you go in there to that workplace and you just tell your manager this. But actually, mm. that may not be the greatest advice. You might yeah. lose that job. Yeah. You know? yeah. And also, you, you're, you could be going in there with their anger, not yours. Yes. You know? so, yeah. so when I was, like, finding people to talk to, I chose the people I wanted to speak to who I knew I would get good advice. They could listen to me, but they were wise. Yeah. Yeah. That's very important. Yeah. You know, yeah. Same absolutely. With therapists. It's finding the right therapist, the same with sometimes with these issues, it's finding the right friend. And yeah, again, another key point because, you know, something I've learned quite late in life um, is the importance of being around emotionally healthy people yes, and yes. recognizing that. And I think not everybody, you know, has grown up in a community where they have been around emotionally healthy people, where they, where people mean well um, and want the best for you and that's for a variety of reasons Um, but just on this just it's this idea of feeling safe emotionally in somebody's presence yeah that's really really important Mm. well thank you so much I mean I could talk to you about this forever (laughs) but I know that what you shared today on this podcast is going to help so many people because as I said, it's commonly we're asked about what can I do? And, you know, I, I see a therapist, I, I, you know, I speak about that mm-hmm. all the time. And I think it's so important to, you know, even if you can't afford to see a therapist, to have either that community, that friend, um, diary, but some way of letting out that frustration and angst. Yeah. Can I right? just say one more thing that I think yeah. might be very useful if you can't yes. afford therapy? Mm. And this is cognitive therapy, really. So basically, uh, some questions you could ask yourself just to make sure that what it's bringing up you, in you is to do with that situation. So, mm. um, so it's called a thought diary. So what you would ask yourself is, um, what is the situation? So you write down what the situation is. Well, my manager mm. like this or whatever. Mm. Write that down. It doesn't have to be long. And then you write down, and how do I, how do I feel? So you write down your feelings. Okay. And then you write down, and uh, what do I think? Okay. What, wow. What's the thoughts that are coming up? Yeah. Well, they hate me. They don't like me. I know this, whatever it is. Mm. And, what do I either want to do or how am I behaving? 
Okay. Well, I've withdrawn or, you know, I want to walk out or whatever. Now, once you've done that, mm-hmm. you look at it. And what it might help you to see is, okay, and especially look at your thoughts because it is your thoughts that are causing the feelings and the behavior. Mm. What you think will bring up how you uh, bring up a feeling and that mm. will make you want to do something. Mm. Now, I have found when clients come to me and I, you know, I'll give you an example before I go into it. Mm. I have some, uh, some students that I bumped into and they were like, I was like, oh, how's it going? And they were like, oh, miss man. I ain't doing well at college. You know, the college is racist, man. It's this, it's that. And I was like, okay, okay. So did you advise though? (laughs) (laughs) And they were like, well, uh, well, actually miss. uh, Well, not quite. (laughs) Mm. And what what came up was they were blaming, you know, the college labeling them as something, but actually they weren't doing their part. Mm. In their mind, it was like, but this is what I think. But when they Mm. examined it all, there was a lot more going on underneath. And what I mean Mm. by that is sometimes, yes, we can be in a place that is triggering us. And it could be that that person does need challenging or, Mm. you know, do need to get support. But sometimes what it's triggering can be other beliefs that you have. Right. Okay. I'm not good enough. Nobody sees me. Mm. Nobody sees me. Mm. Heard. But it is still under the label of you know racism or anything like that but the Mm. thing is it's triggering a belief yes nobody can make you feel anything Mm. already in you or you believe it that's right you know doing this will just help you to understand yourself more and the last question you could ask yourself does this remind me of anyone or anything? Oh, that's a good one. Mm-hmm. Okay. You might find it reminds you of a friend or, I don't know, a relative or a teacher that never believed in you. It Because that trigger is coming from somewhere. Oh, so I'm, I wrote these down. So the questions you have to ask yourself are, you know, what is the situation? Mm-hmm. How do I feel? What do I think? What do I want to do? How am I behaving? How am I behaving? And does this remind me of anyone or anything? Oh, people, write this down. Like you can rewind this. Do people rewind anymore? Whatever, take it back. Write them down. They're such important questions. Because when you're triggered, what tends to happen is when you're triggered, it kind of throws you back to that place of Yes. Yes. And you are no longer responding in the present. You're mm. responding from that place. Oh, that's good. So if you were seven or 15 or yes. nine, you will be responding from that place. And you may even do what you couldn't do back then. Mm. Once back into the, the here and now. Mm. If you understand yourself, then you know what, why you're responding the way you're responding. And then you can change it. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. Oh, Brilliant. Thank you so much. And I know that you're quite a busy person and, you know, you don't necessarily need external clients, but if somebody did want to get in touch with you, is is there a way they can do that? Well, unfortunately, I don't do private practice anymore (laughs) um, because I'm just busy. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's a good place um, to be. 
but yeah but I mean if, if anyone has any questions they can always you know contact you and then I, I, I'll get back to them or whatever if they really feel like you know they need to answer something or the other but but I don't actually do private practice anymore but if somebody did want to see a therapist where could they start looking well there is a wonderful place called the reach approach mm. and then you find that on you know you can just google it and it's it they're amazing and they I, are amazing yeah yeah so I, I totally recommend them do you know yeah it would be the first place and if not you can try the BACP they have loads of therapists on their website as well yeah and again if you can just say what the acronym stands for it's the British Association of Counseling and Psychotherapy British yeah, Association of Counselors and Psychotherapy got it right I've written that down Yvette you are have been amazing as always um i'm i'm sure i'm gonna have lots of um posts i can create sound bites i can create from from this that are really really helpful particularly that line of questioning but um yeah i, I think when people do get triggered they often feel stuck and so mm -hmm. just being able to go somewhere with that and to recognize that this is not who you are right now is yes. is huge yes, so I appreciate you. Thank you so much. Um, yeah. You, that's it. I'm gonna, yeah. That's the end of the podcast. I'm going to say um, thank you to all oh, the listeners. Yeah. Um, if you've got some thoughts on this podcast episode, please make sure that you you go on our website, strawberrywords.co.uk. Look at the podcasts uh, page, the blog and podcast page, and just comment below. Let us know your thoughts. Let us know if you have any questions, and I'll pass those on to Yvette. But uh, that's it. We're, we're out of time. I'm going to say goodbye, and thank you so much for listening. Okay. Thank you, Yvette. Take care.